Hello, I'm Nicole Stoddard, the founding artistic director of Thinking Cap Theater. Welcome to From Christmas Tree Farm to Stand, a podcast series about the Florida Christmas tree farm industry. Funding for this program was provided through a grant from Florida Humanities with funds from the National Endowment for the Humanities. In today's episode, I talk with Karen and Bo Salas from Southern Christmas Tree Farm, and we're located in Hilliard, Florida, about five miles from actually being in Georgia. And here they are. Bo and Karen, can you tell us how you got into the Florida Christmas tree farm industry? When when was this and what brought it about? I grew up on the farm that we have. I grew up here, um, moved here when I was younger. And once my dad passed, we moved back. Um, we had a bunch of land and really nothing to do with it. It was just, we mowed it all the time. And a friend of ours had a farm down in um, the middle of Florida. And we were talking to him one day and he had made a comment that he had a Christmas tree farm. And it kind of shocked me because I was like, most people, Christmas trees don't grow in Florida, Um, which the typical Christmas tree as in a Fraser fir does not grow in Florida because of the heat, but they grow other types of Florida. Florida most grows a pine, uh, like a Virginia pine, um, or they will um, grow another type of pine that puts a lot of limbs on it for Christmas trees. Um, that's what they started grow. That's what they grow in Florida mostly. Um, we're so close to Georgia, we kind of mimic what Georgia grows, which is a Murray cypress tree. We also grow another species, which is called a Carolina sapphire. Um, they they are different trees. Um, they look different um, than a Fraser fir, but they're you know they look just like a Christmas tree. Um, they have the shape and everything that a Christmas tree would have. So we started growing them. I actually kind of like it because we talk to people that are allergic to Christmas trees, and I will always tell them that if you're allergic to a Christmas tree, you're most likely allergic to a Fraser fir, which is a fir. Um, We grow a cypress and a sapphire. They're two entirely different trees. So there's a good chance that if you're allergic to a typical Christmas tree, you may not be allergic to ours, which will allow the person to be able to have a real live tree in their house where in the past they wouldn't. Wow. So the cypress and the sapphire are like the poodle of the Christmas tree uh, (laughs) industry. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> we started we started growing, we started planting trees. Um, our first year of planting was in 2012. We we plant every single year. Um, so that way that you have uh, we have so many trees maturing every single year. Um, you don't want every bit of your crop maturing in the same year because then even if you could sell it, then you wouldn't have nothing to sell for the next three year, three or four years until the next crop got ready. So we typically, we grow 20, we can grow our tree out in four years. And the reason it helps is because we start with a, a one gallon pot. We don't actually plant it as a little seed. We, we grow that, we put it in the ground. And then in three years, we can have about a six to seven foot tree with a proper trimming and fertilizer. So that first year of planting back in 2012, what did you plant and have, has, has the number of trees that you plant each year um, increased or have you sort of consistently always planted the same number? The first year we started planting, we actually planted the pine. 
they were cheaper because they come in a bare root form. Uh, but the mortality rate is, was not good at all. If you planted 400 trees um, within about a month, 200 of them would be dead um, just because they didn't survive the planting process. Um, that was very, not really costly. It was costly within time because now you have 200 trees that were not going to be in the ground for the, for the year of growing. So that's when we learned more with the, um, we're part of the Georgia Christmas Tree Association as well as the Florida Christmas Tree Association. Um, and we get information from both farms to be able to help us. I don't believe in reinventing the wheel, um, follow what other people have done. They've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to redo them. Um, then we started planting the Murray Cypress and the Carolina Sapphire. And we started out planting about 250 a year. Um, <clears throat> our very first year being open was 2016. We, the only advertisement we did was social media and we became extremely popular. Uh, we sold out of trees that year very fast. So we started upgrading our trees to grow more. Um, we started putting 300 in the ground. Then we went to 350. Um, this year we'll be putting in January, we'll put 500 trees in the ground. So that way for a year, three to four years from now, we will have 500 trees maturing every year versus only having 300 to try to help keep up with demand. Wow. So that's something that people probably don't think about, right? That your first year of planning was 2012, but you didn't actually open for business, right? <laughs> for, for the holiday season until 2016. And so that year you had how many trees did you say? We had 250 that were maturing. And then we will also go to North Carolina and we will bring in some fresh razor first. Um, simply because we've, we've realized that um, Christmas trees are just like anything else. Say, for instance, cars. Some people like a Chevrolet, some like a Ford, some like a BMW. Nobody's right or wrong, just a preference. So we want to have a, a variety of trees for that customer that comes out. If they love our Fraser or Murray, fantastic. You can get one of them. But if you're sold on the Fraser fir and that's really what you love, by all means, please buy one of our Fraser firs that we bring in. They're not growing in our fields, but they're still fresh. The very first year, we we were kind of skeptical because we did not want to, you know, get stuck with a Christmas tree that was cut because it's not like another product where you can just sell it next week. If you don't sell that Christmas tree at Christmas time. Um, you can donate it to the beach to help make dunes or something because it won't be alive for next year. Now, our trees in the field do not bother us if people don't buy. Well, I say don't bother. I say it doesn't hurt our bottom line because if we don't sell a six-foot tree in our, in our fields, we just keep trimming it and growing it, and the next year it's an eight- or nine-foot tree. So um, that's not a harm. So the Frasers that you buy from North Carolina and having talked to a few farmers around the state, there are several that use that strategy, right? To recognize that some people, I mean, I know I grew up in Maryland. My mom was always looking for the best Fraser fur she could find. <laughs> so <laughs> it's definitely, if depending on where you are from in the, in the, in the country too, you will have had, um, you will have grown up with different trees. So that's a smart idea. So you you know you're going to buy a certain number of trees from a North Carolina farm. But in terms of what how it works arriving to your farm, are folks able to choose and cut 
when when they come in, all of our Fraser firs we have displayed in an area closer to the um, entrance. So I typically tell people, you know, go out in the field, walk around, look and see if you see a field tree you like. If you have that one tree that jumps out and says, no, let's pick me, by all means, cut that one and bring it up. We'll shake it out, bail it for you, and you can purchase it, take it home with you. If you don't see nothing in the field that you like, um, then by all means, come look at the Fraser first, and you can pick one of them. So the people, they can they can choose either or uh, whatever meets their demand. We try not to be a, I want our farm to be different because people can go anywhere and buy a Christmas tree. Um, I use the story all the time that kids never grow up, like you just mentioned the story that you said. Uh, they never grow up and say, hey, I remember going to XYZ department store and buying our tree in the parking lot. No kid remembers that. Um, they remember coming out to a farm. We have, you know, we have a fire that goes all day long that people can sit around and enjoy. Uh, we have a hayride they can take. We have a little small deer train for little children. So the kids can enjoy themselves as well as get a tree. So it's more of an experience. When they go home, they're going to be like, wow, we got to do this or we got to do that. And, you know, um, so they enjoyed that part. It's, it's a little different. Yeah, you I mean, you're absolutely right. I think back as a kid, I always would see trees outside of the grocery store or whatever, but we used to go to like a little spot on the corner where it was a farmer and, and he was bringing them from his farm nearby. So it wasn't quite the the choose and cut experience, but it was it was definitely an event, which um, is part of the magic of, of the holidays. So I like that. Um, I want to be different and stand out from everywhere. In North Florida, there's are a few farms that you can go to that offer a choose and cut experience. We're one of the very few. Um, none are within an hour of us. We have always wanted to be different. Um, the name of a farm is a Southern Christmas tree farm, but <clears throat> in the sign, Christ is capitalized because that's very important to us as a uh, family. So I've, we chose that name for that reason. Uh, we also have hay rides and stuff that you can't do in other places um, that allows us to do that. We had our one of our, our youth pastor give us a bunch of Christmas cards um, that were, they were last year's because they were brand new, but they were last year's. They don't have a year on them, so it didn't matter. So we would give them to customers for free, <clears throat> allow them to fill a card out, and they put it in the mailbox, and we would actually take the cards and deliver them to the USO in Jacksonville to be able to deliver to troops that may not be home. They may live in California, but they're not home for the holidays. So they could get a Christmas tree card from a family that says, you know, Merry Christmas from the Johnsons. Thank you for your service or whatever. And we felt that was a good thing. This year will be our very first year. We're actually going to uh, be having 25 trees that will be sponsored from our farm that will be um, packaged, picked up by FedEx and delivered to Trees for the Troops, which is a huge organization that donates trees to um, military families. So we've always wanted to have a little, not a niche, I would say, but something that we do different that can't be done in other places or could be done in other places that isn't done. We don't want to just be a Christmas tree farm that you just come buy a tree and that's it. Yeah, I think that's really lovely. I've never heard of uh, Trees for the Troops, but that sounds amazing. And I love that you've connected with them to do that. 
Um, you mentioned a fires burning all day, which I also love. Having grown up in Maryland, I grew up with fireplaces, which I miss here in South Florida. But so since you're on the border of Georgia, what's the climate like? You you all must be able to enjoy a little cooler weather than we have here in South Florida. It, well, it's just like South Florida, there's cold days and hot days. There's some days <laughs> that I can go out there and I can walk around in a t-shirt and help customers all day long and I'm not cold. Uh, there's other days that are a little cooler. You got to wear a light jacket, but once you start working, you start getting hot with body temperature and you'll take the jacket off. To me, an ideal day is about 45 to 55 degrees because it's cold enough where you can sit by the fire and enjoy it, but yet you're not out there in the field shivering to death trying to find a tree. Um, so there, you've got to find that happy medium, but we've, we've had some days where it's, 70, you know, 70 degrees. And we kind of, in the back of our mind, I'm like, oh man, I hate that day because that's not your ideal Christmas hunting tree day. Um, you want the weather to be a little cool when you're hunting for a Christmas tree. If you're going to the beach, you want it to be hot. But, you know, you go up to the mountains to go snow skiing, you want it to snow that day. When I first moved to Florida at Christmas time, we lived in a house that had a fireplace, like a little bodega that had a had bungalow that had a, had a fireplace. And I crank down the AC and try to simulate <laughs> winter because I wanted so badly to have to recreate that that experience. What kind of uh, workload, like over, you know, on off months, like what are you doing on the farm uh, in the summer, in June, July, August, and what kind of help do you have? Are the two of you? primarily the ones that are out there doing the planting and the pruning and all the care for the trees? What kind of help do you have? <laughs> we, well, we, we are family run. That's one thing I wanted to always do. Um, in the back of my mind, my thought was to allow my, my kids, even my grown kids, um, to be able to come help us on the weekend. Um, we do pay them, of course. Um, <laughs> so Because if we make money, they should make money. But um, my thought was is that they would be able to come help us a couple weekends and what we pay them would allow them to be able to, you know, go Christmas shopping and they would never have to even touch their bill money or their regular paycheck to worry about Christmas. So it's kind of, it, you know, and it brings my family together. That's, I love family. Uh, I love being around my grandkids. My one grandkid son, he is, uh, he watches our pet zoo area um, just to make sure nobody opens a gate or nothing, which nobody ever does, but it allows him to have a responsibility now unfortunately usually his money goes into candy <laughs> so he doesn't really save it but we do that but during a normal day we do have to trim our trees and shape them uh twice a year just like they do fraser firs they do the same thing to them twice a year just like any plant when you cut it, it it stimulates it to grow more so we have to do that because we're in florida our trees will they can get a disease it's not a disease known to humans, of course, wouldn't affect us, but it's, it's a disease a tree will get sometimes. Um, so we do spray the trees during the uh, really hot, humid months. We have to spray them to prevent them from being able to get that. Um, so we do that during the year. We have to mow grass in between them, um, keep the grass down. In other words, the grass will get up and it can smother the tree and not make it grow as healthy as it would. Uh, we do put a gr uh, granular fertilizer down in the spring. 
Um, it's a 12, 12 zero, zero fertilizer, slow release. That, you know, kind of helps the trees out just like you would give fertilizer to your plant in your house. It's not a, <clears throat> I wouldn't say there's like an eight hour day every day of the week, but there there's times that we go out there and we'll spend a good portion of a day, you know, working, work, you know, keeping the trees. It's not just a matter of putting them in the ground and going back in the house and sitting down and waiting four years. Um, that'd be nice, but it's not the case. Right. So do you have an irrigation system or are you having to manually go out and water? How does that work? We have gone. <laughs> and we live in Florida. Rain. Rain. <laughs> um, that is our irrigation system. We do not have no irrigation in our field. One year it did get really, really, when we put the trees in the ground, um, the babies, uh, it did not rain for a while. So we would go out there with our sprayer that we spray the trees with and we would put water on just the brand new ones. Once the big ones get a root system, they're okay. It's like an oak tree. You have oak trees down where you're at. That oak tree doesn't need watering. It has enough, it would have to be dry for, for a very, very, very long time for that oak tree to be affected by a drought. Um, our trees, have, they love growing on sand. So uh, they, they don't require a ton of water they do need water and rain, but not a ton. So um, the only ones that really need rain is we've started propagating trees from cuttings uh, where we would take a cutting and we'll put it in a thing in a plant. Now in that case, we have a small irrigation system in a nursery area that comes on twice a day just to miss water on them because at that point in their life, they have no roots in the ground. They're developing roots. So the only way they can take in water is through their leaves. So we'll have them sprayed. And we, that's something we just started doing this past year. Uh, we have not perfected that by no means. So you mentioned that the, the land was in the fend. The, was the land your father's? Yes, ma'am. Okay. We, we moved out here in 1977. I grew up in 2017. And then when I graduated from high school in 1990, we live in a very small town with one red light. <laughs> so just like any kid, got them, I had to move to the big city lights. So I left Hilliard and I moved to Jacksonville. Um, it was a very good thing because I met my wife, Karen. Um, we got married in 97 and we built a house actually in this county, just on the other side of the county over near Amelia Island. And we lived there until my, when my father passed away. And then we purchased the farm that I grew up on and moved back over here. Well, I bet your dad would probably, it probably does uh, love the idea that you have you have made this land a Christmas tree farm. Can you talk a little bit about some of your favorite memories, either you know on the growing side and and work you've done involving your kids and your grandkids, and then also on the customer side and uh, what what you've witnessed the the sort of joy of someone coming and choosing the perfect tree. Any anecdotes that you could share with us? Yeah, the, fam the our family is great because. I have pictures of my grandkids planting little baby trees. Um, <clears throat> we try to include the community, uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 4-H clubs, FFA, when we plant our trees in the ground. Uh, you know, come out, teach them. teach them about a tree so that they don't think, hey, you just put this in the ground and four years later, ta-da, you have a tree. It requires work. We've, we've always, we've done that every year. Um, some years we get big, uh, participation, some not as many. 
being able to see my grandkids do it, I think that's a memory that when they get older, they will have that opportunity. I never, both of my grandfathers passed before I was ever born, so I never got an opportunity to even meet them. Um, my grandmother passed away when I was only seven years old. So even though I did get to meet her, I really don't have a ton of memories with her. So I want to create as many memories with my grandkids as I can. So as they grow older, they'll be able to tell their kids and their ki grandkids stories about me and my wife and the farm that we grew up on and things like that there. Um, with the families, we, we always try to sneak pictures, um, <laughs> not invading nobody's privacy, uh, but we always try to sneak the cute pictures. Um, we have, I guess you could say he's our mascot around here. Is we have a 13-year-old Labrador retriever that is named Tebow. And he is harmless as a flea, and but he loves everybody. to greet everybody. Mm -hmm. And he is a he's a fan favorite by far. Um, he has his own Facebook page even, <laughs> and same reason I did that is so people can share pictures. So I have memories of him. Um, we have one kid. A lady sent me a picture one time. Her son had for four years straight mm -hmm. had a picture with Tebow by the fireplace or somewhere on the farm. And it was so cool because, of course, in the picture, Tebow looks the same. Because once a dog gets old, they don't change a whole bunch. But the little kid, the first year, he was like five years old and he was six. And, you know, between five and nine years old, kids change dramatically. Yeah. And being able to see that kid, you know, he, he always said his favorite thing was to see Tebow. <laughs> we have people bring him treats during the year. They bring out a bag of treats and say, hey, we bought these for Tebow. So um, he's, a, he's a fan favorite. By all means, we have one family that they come out, and it, I didn't know how to answer them at first, but my philosophy is as long as you're not doing nothing unethical or illegal, I really don't have a big issue with what you do. Um, and they came out and they asked me, would you mind if we had lunch around the Christmas tree we picked before we cut it down? Very large family. Yeah, very large family. <laughs> like, they have like nine kids. And I'm like, okay, well, not really something I've ever done, but by all means, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So <clears throat> they've been out many years now, and they go out in the field, they pick their tree, and they sit down on the ground with a blanket, and they have lunch. No, they, they all hold hands around the tree and sing, too. And then they'll cut the tree down and bring it up to us, and we so cute. We wrap it for them and everything, and help them get it in their vehicle. And so that that's we remember them. Um, we've met uh, friends. We met a one lady that came that came out, and her name was very very unique. And I started talking to her. I said, "Hey, my wife has a relative with that name. That name is extremely unique." And I said, "Do you happen to know a such and such?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, that's my cousin." So I was like, wow, that's, you know, we, it was we my cousin's cousin, yeah, it's their cousin's cousin. We obviously we never met him. And now when we see him, when they pull in, they wave at us like, hey, we're back again. And, you know, so we've gotten to meet, you know, we have regulars that come every year. Mm -hmm. Then we get to say welcome and hey to again. And then we have new people that come every single year. So that that's the greatest memory. And I chose Christmas tree because everybody's always friendly at Christmas time. Nobody's. <laughs> we we've never had someone leave mad um i had one gentleman that drove out on on a sunday and he was upset that we were closed but 
we're closed on all Sundays. We're, I kind of say we're like Chick-fil-A. You cannot go get a chicken sandwich on Sunday from Chick-fil-A. I don't care how bad you want it. They don't sell it. You buy it on Saturday and put it in the refrigerator if you want. But <clears throat> we are closed on all Sundays. We always have been and we always will be. So I, I was thinking about this family. I can see it, them gathering. It reminds me of something out of... Um, out of the Grinch. <laughs> so with, if, how do they cut the tree? Do you all cut the tree for them? Do you provide the little saws? How does that part work? We provide the saw, hand saws. And if they want, they can go down there and they can cut the trees. But if there's anybody that needs help, we, we have uh, young boys that'll go down there and cut them for them that work for us. Okay, great. Because I, I, I'm sure we have kids in our household that would love the idea of that. But I myself am a little nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most people it's want, really easy. Yeah, most people want to cut their own tree because it's an experience. Yeah. But by all means, I mean we've had, you know, elderly people say, "Hey, I really like that tree, but I can't cut it." And I'm, I'm not a problem. I have one of the guys go out in the field with them, and they cut it down for them and bring it up for them. Excellent. Another question I have for you has to do with the pandemic. So, how exactly did that work for you all? the last two seasons when we were really deeply in the throes of it. And then last December coming out of it, but there was like the, the, the second variant with Omicron. Um, did you all weather the pandemic? Okay. Were you able to be open? How did that work in, in 2021 and 20, well, no, where are we? 29th? No, it wouldn't have been that. It was 2020. The Christmas of 2020 was the biggest time. Christmas of 2020 and Christmas of 2021. Um, <laughs> one, one thing a lot of the farms do is, and you, you learn in school that trees make oxygen. Um, so by no means am I claiming in this statement to be a scientist, <laughs> um, but I do know trees do make oxygen. That is a fact. And we have approximately 2000 trees planted in our, in our fields. So that's a lot of fresh oxygen that's being made. So I would venture to say that it would probably be one of the more safer places um, for that reason, because it's creating fresh oxygen. The pandemic really, um, by the time, because it started in March and everybody started, I think it started in March, somewhere around there, yeah. and everybody was cooped up. Mm-hmm. By the time Christmas got here, people were about to pull their hair out of their heads because they were <laughs> yeah. crazy from... They couldn't go to restaurants. They couldn't go to the movies. They couldn't go to a mall. They couldn't go to concerts. They couldn't do nothing. Um, they, they just wanted to do something with their family. And due to the fact that we're not indoors, we're open. We're an open field. Uh, we were open. I mean, we live in Florida. And our, uh, we did not have any. We followed, you know, by, by no means I did, you know, not want to follow our recommendations. Um, our county and our state allowed us to be open. We did not have any restrictions on that. We did, we did tell people that, you know, please respect others for being, you know, far away. Don't, you know, stand up on top of somebody. And most people do that already because, you know, you're picking your tree out. Nobody's going to come over there and stand right beside you looking at the tree trying to fight you for it. So everybody already kind of separates. But we that was our recommendation, you know, just... You know, please respect everybody's private space, personal space. Um, <clears throat> we had hand washing stations and hand sanitizer around the farm, too. You know, please, by all means, we wanted to promote healthy people. Um, we didn't want to create a, uh, a dangerous environment. So we 
we did everything required with that, but. But uh, for the most part, it did not hurt us at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like people were just happy to get out and it was one of the safest places they could be. So from a like, right. from a like business standpoint, you were able to get through that first season that was just notoriously bad for, for a lot of other businesses. Right. Okay. And then last year was last year still just smooth sailing for the most. Yeah. It was still the same. Yeah. The last <clears throat> our last two years, and that was in the beginning of our uh, when you were talking about how many trees are we doing everything. Um, that's why we started growing because the last two seasons we have we haven't been able to. You can't increase your trees in the field in one year. It takes three to four years uh, for planting. So we would increase. The amount of Fraser first we brought in to help with the numbers um, to, as a supplement. And for the past two years, we have been mostly only open for eight days. Mm -hmm. um, the first weekend, we always open on Black Friday, and then we open that Saturday, then we're closed Sunday. We all open during the week, but it's a lot slower. Uh, people come out on Saturdays. So, and then the following Saturday, we would be open, and we usually by the second Saturday, we would we'd have to close our fields out because our, we didn't have nothing else left in our field, but, you know, three and four foot trees. I mean, people, we became very popular. They would go out there and I mean, they would just wipe us out, um, yeah. which was fantastic for business. Um, I had a friend of mine always told me the best problem a business can have is too many customers. Um, it is a problem, but it's the best problem you can have. So we have increased trees every year. Uh, this year we have, We'll have um, trees in our field that are, are ready to be harvested. And we have, at the same time, we have increased our numbers in Fraser Firs again this year to try to, you know, to keep up with demand because we want to be open. I mean, obviously, I don't want to have Christmas trees on December the 24th. <laughs> um, I want to be able to be closed before then. Um, with that said, you was asking, and I did, that made me think of someone you asked about a memory. Last year, on December the 24th, we were at my daughter's in-law's house having a Christmas party get together and my phone rang and I answered the phone and they said, you know, and they were like, hi, this is a Christmas tree farm. And I said, yes. They're like, uh, do you have any trees left? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is nine o'clock at night on Christmas Eve. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. But I, I told them we didn't have any trees and I, you know, it was replied about it. We just didn't have anything. And after I hung up, I started thinking that somebody that waits till December 24th to get a tree is I would venture to say nine times out of 10 is going to be for one reason or the other. It's going to be for a monetary reason or a health reason. And in either case, it really wasn't their fault. So I called the guy back and I said, hey, listen, I said, I do have a tree, a couple trees left from our pines that we're trying to get out of our fields we're not but we're not going to cut them we just hopefully somebody will pick them one year i said i do have a couple left of just them two i said if you would like to meet me i said i'd be more than happy to go out and help you and they met us at our house probably at about 10 30 at night when we came home and we went out in our field with a flashlight and I showed them the two trees. They picked one of them and we didn't even charge them. We donated it because I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm trying to get rid of the tree anyways. And I didn't ask them what reason they weren't getting a tree earlier because it was none of my business. Um, but at the same time, 
by being able to donate that tree and do that for them, I was able to go to bed and sleep very comfortably that night knowing that I did a good thing. And that meant more to me than, you know, the little amount of money I would have got for it. I love that. So there is a lot of joy that can come with being a Christmas tree farmer. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's an industry that, that uh, is joyful for the ones that are doing the planting and the selling and joyful for the people that have the benefit of, of cutting in a tree and having that experience of visiting the farm. So whenever you are getting close to, to running out of trees, are you going on social media and saying, you know, <laughs> yes. the, the number's dropping, right? You're like 10 yeah. fur, your furs and another 10 left. Well, we try to be, because obviously you don't want to get on social media and saying, hey, we're almost sold out of trees, only three left, because then everybody's going to be like, oh, well, I'm not going to waste my time to drop there. So you don't want to do that. But at the same time, I don't want people to drop from Jacksonville and then get here and say, wow, you could have told me this over the phone. So we do give a number. Um, we'll tell people, hey, our fields are closed. Uh, we just don't have anything left in our fields, but we do have a good selection, you know, of seven to eight, you know, Fraser first. Um, every year we, we pretty much, that's the thing too, is you've got to try to estimate because you don't want to get stuck with a lot of trees. Um, and usually like last year, we, I think we had three left at the end of the year. It was like December the 8th, 18th or something. And I called our youth pastor. They, they do a food distribution. And I said, listen, I got three trees left. I said, if I bring them up there and leave them, I said, you know, if somebody comes for the food distribution, if they don't have a tree, can you give it to them? He said, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I called him and he said he had no problem. He said he had three families, didn't have a tree. They, they got a free tree that year. I tell people at the same time, do not wait till the end because <laughs> when you wait till the end, one, you may, I may not have no trees. That may, so you may get stuck and not get one. Secondly, you know, you don't get a big selection. You pretty much, hey, there's your tree. <laughs> if you like it, great. If you don't like it, uh, that's all I have. Mm -hmm. So you lose out on that. So we've done we've done that every year. We like I said, we've we've never gotten stuck with a lot of trees. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it is it is. There's a little bit of chance to it, but otherwise you try to you try to like get your math right as you are watching the the growth of um, of of interest in the in the farm from year to year, right? Well, we did lower the numbers just a little bit on um, the price. You know, if, it, if it, after the second weekend, if we have a good amount of trees, you know, I might put on our Facebook, hey, we have 20 trees left. We have a marked 40% off. Oh, wow. You know, just like any department, you know, any department store would do the same thing, you know, with a seasonal item. Um, seasonal item, you know, it's not like a T-shirt. A T-shirt you can sell in January or or July, it doesn't matter. A Christmas tree, if we don't sell that Christmas tree on December the 24th, we're donating it to the to the beach to be able to help make sand dunes because <laughs> it's not getting no money out of it. Right. So what's the furthest that you know of someone traveling to come to your farm? Probably the Fort, that, the Fort Myers that one year. Was it them or the one? We had that one couple of way up north. It was, I, it was a couple. They were probably... 300 miles away because yeah. I try to always ask people um, for marketing purposes, hey, how'd you hear about us? And where are you from? And when they told me where they came from, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I've never wanted to get a Christmas tree that bad. <laughs> 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 and, and I can't really say that 
honestly, because when we first started growing in 2012, we wanted to start experience it. So we actually would travel. We traveled to Alma, Georgia, or not Albany, Georgia, Albany. which is about almost two and a half hours from us. So we traveled there to a farm that was in the Georgia Christmas Tree Association to purchase our tree that year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I told the guy, I said, hey, we're such and such. We have a farm in Florida, but none of our trees are available. And we want to support the farmers that are doing this. And we drove all, we went with our family. We spent a day, went, had lunch and, you know, we went and picked the tree out and we made it memories. Yeah. Um, now our memories are, um, if you buy a tree from us, I can assure you, my wife will pick ahead of you. Um, <laughs> it is my farm. I will pick the tree that leaves this farm. You know, I've done that every year. I did have a family last year. And you ask for stories, so I keep when you bring things up, it makes me think of something. We had a family contact us in uh, September last year. And they said, we want to get a Christmas tree. And I'm in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, it was a little early. <laughs> Um, and they said, no, our, my husband is being deployed um, October 15th, and he will not be here for Christmas. So we were going to have Christmas the first weekend of October with our family. And I, and I told her, I said, ma'am, I said, I'd love to let you have my, my trees. I said, but there is no way my tree will be alive at Christmas time. It will be brown and crispy. You know, it just cannot live that long once you've cut it down. Um, and she said, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't mind about that. She says, this is going to be our Christmas. And so I, and I told her, I said, absolutely. So she came out, you know, with her husband and family. And of course, they were the only ones here. They walked out in the field, they picked a tree, and that was a Christmas tree. And I even told her, I said, listen, I said, if you want to come back when we open, I said, I will be glad to give you a tree for half price. Because they were getting a tree for a reason. I normally do not allow people to have trees that early. Because everybody will say, hey, can I come the week before Thanksgiving? Everybody will want to do it. Yeah. It's just like being open on Sunday. I have people say, can I just come get a tree real quick? No, we are not open on Sunday. In fact, we go to church. We usually do not even come home. We go out to eat. We go to see family. Because if we're here, we live right by our farm. We'll have people knocking on our door. Hey, can I get a tree real quick? No. <laughs> It'd be like living next door. The owner of Chick-fil-A living right next door. He'd be getting knocks on the door. Hey, can I get a chicken sandwich real quick? No. (laughs) We want your business. Just we don't want it on Sunday. (laughs) I love it. So can you think of anything else that you want to tell listeners about your farm or about, you know, what's unique about being a tree farmer in the state of Florida? Anything else that you can think of you want to share? Um, There's not a, I mean, one, there's not a lot of farms in Florida. Georgia if you go on the Florida Christmas Tree Association, you click Farm Finder and you can see the farms that are located in the area. If you go to Georgia, you can do the same thing. It's not as popular as it is up, you know, like in North Carolina or Indiana, Pennsylvania. You can find a choose and cut tree farm every corner, technically. Um, so I just tell people, you know, coming back to making an experience, um, you make memories are the most important thing in life because every one of us are not going to be here one day. And when we're gone, the only thing you're going to have are memories. So, you know, make, make good ones. Um, don't let the fact that you may be allergic to a tree hold you from getting a, a real one, because 
if you're allergic to furs, you may not be allergic to ours. And I've actually given people a couple cuttings sometimes from one of our trees. I tell them, I'll say, take it home, sit it on your kitchen table. If you start sneezing, throw it away. If you don't sneeze in like a week, there's a good indicator you're not allergic to that tree. The, I had a question, a lady is doing a story on us in a newspaper or a magazine. And she asked, what would you tell people that believe fake trees are the best? And the best answer for that is not to get in your private business, but are you married or involved with someone? Oh, me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, me. <laughs> yes. Okay, so come Valentine's Day, if your boyfriend, fiance, your significant other, spouse, whatever, brought you a plastic bouquet of roses, how happy would you be? <laughs> it's a, it's uh, a strong analogy. I get it. I they're, like it. they're really pretty, but they're fake. They're not real. Um, <laughs> real is, to me is everything. Uh, we do have a Santa's workshop that the kids can go in. Um, has a little in the front. Has a glass window with a train set that the uh, village kids can. It doesn't cost them money. You just look at it. Has a little train goes around it. A little village. It's just there for stuff. We have a Santa Claus. Uh, we do have him out here a couple times. He he takes pictures with kids. He's he's got a great personality. He's a really good guy. Gives the kids the opportunity to uh, get some one on one time with Santa. Maybe uh, ask for forgiveness for not obeying my dad. Um, <clears throat> my neighbor loves me because her niece was, I guess, not wanting to listen to her one day. And we always have a big, oh, her, granddaughter. her granddaughter, we have a big blow up Santa that sits on our roof. And she told her, she says, well, if you don't do it, I'm going to go over there and talk to Santa Claus. And buddy, this little girl's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, I use you as leverage to get her to do what I need her to do. So, um, like I said, everybody's happy at Christmas time. It's a joyful time of the year. We have music playing. Uh, this one thing we're trying to get more successful at is every year we have a youth rally. Um, now, for when I say youth, it's for anybody that is young at heart. If you're an old Ebenezer Scrooge, you're not invited. Um, the Grinch isn't invited. But um, it's young at heart. We have live music. We have a friend of ours that comes in from Texas, does a little um, a message that he gives to the kids. Um, the kids play manhunt in the Christmas trees. And it's totally free. It's a fun free night. There's no charge to come in to do that. So um, that will be, I believe, December the 3rd this year. That sounds amazing. I wish I could I could get myself there to experience that. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more episodes in this series.